0: Spit, 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 sp Ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast today on Paul Pod, we have none other than the notorious, Uh glorious, laborious, (laughs) (laughs) glorious Blackstone. Adam Blackstone is, you know, one of the unsung heroes in Eminem's career in the sense that a lot of people you know, don't necessarily know you by face or name, but they've seen you and they're sure. familiar with you, but they might not know, you know, what your name is or exactly what you do. I mean, obviously they see you on stage playing an instrument. Yeah. Um, and obviously they know somebody's responsible for the sounds coming out of the speaker and the band that's playing along with M when he performs, but what they don't know is that man is you. So... Adam Blackstone, official title's music director, but I will go on the record here and say one of the most important people in Eminem's career, specifically in the modern era, because we're talking about Curtain Call 2, which is the greatest hits compilation of songs from the album Relapse Forward. And that's exactly where you start.
1: That's where I start, for sure.
0: Right. So going back and in history, doing my research, talking about and thinking about what we're going to talk about today, I thought about where did we start working with you and why, right? So we, we know where, but I'm going to get mm-hmm. to the why now. Do you remember the Kanye West glow in the dark tour?
1: Do do I? Yes. Y- oh, yes. I would. That's when I would never forget. It prepared okay. me for For adult music life
0: right so that that's my first experience with you right and and I was in the audience in Madison Square Garden and I was watching the show and I was particularly struck by the fact that there was a band we didn't see the band right Mm -hmm. because the band was hidden from the audience but I knew there was a band because I could hear it Mm -hmm. And I was particularly struck by how well the band was integrated in with Kanye's music. And by that, I mean, there's an art to this, right? And particularly when it comes to hip hop, because so much of it is sort of in the can, in the box, from a drum machine, from a sampler, not necessarily live live. And in order to recreate that sound, but in a live sense but give it the integrity that the recording has it requires a certain touch
1: for sure right and for there's sure. a and
0: there's a town involved in creating that touch so what i heard on that tour was impressive Thank so you, yes absolutely so i went to the guy that was the production manager on the tour which happened to be our production manager right <laughs> right yeah. so i went to curtis and i said curtis who's doing kanye's band and he said, oh, yeah, it's this guy, Adam Blackstone. And I said, oh, okay, well, I need to file that in my head and remember this guy, Adam Blackstone, boop, right? Boop. Right, so Fast cut, forward. cut forward to the next time that I have to deal with a band, I think, and I'm re- recreating this in, in sort of, you know, thinking about what we did and what the sequence was. Right. And I go to, in my head, the the DJ hero performance with Eminem and Jay-Z in Los Angeles. Right? So there was a game called DJ Hero. There was a renegade edition of that game that Eminem and Jay-Z were the sort of marketers for, and they put their Got music it. in. Right? So it was an Eminem and Jay-Z edition of the game. Okay. And there was a live performance in LA for Activision for DJ Hero. Right? Yep. So we had to do a performance with the band. And when we did that, it was just a few songs. It wasn't a full performance. Marshall liked the experience, right? And he was like, I think we, maybe we should try this. Maybe we should do more with the band. Yeah. Okay. So now I know I'm doing a lot of talking, but I'm trying to set this all up. So then this was like summer of 2009. Yeah. And then in fall of 2009, The first time we officially worked with you was the Voodoo Fest in New Orleans, which is around Halloween. So tell me about the experience first working with Marshall on creating a live show with the band.
1: Well, I must say, I cannot start this without saying that Questlove, who I consider my MD, my forever MD, called me and said, I'm giving Paul Rosenberg your phone number between Questlove and Sean G, right? And I was right. like, I was like, I mean, Twitter to Bunyan? you give him That's who you give him my number? That's to? me. <laughs> yeah. And I said, cool. He said, you know, M, M might hit you or Paul might hit you. I was like, cool.
0: Right. Because we were looking t- for a band. And I think that what I did was somebody connected me with, with Sean, maybe with yep. Rich also. Yep. Absolutely, and because you know when you're looking for a band, you look no further than in, in hip hop than the, the the roots, right? For sure. I mean, they yeah. they are the gold standard for Period. anything live yeah. in hip hop. Nobody's ever done it better, and that's that's the guys you go to, right? That's it. And so, so, me
1: being a descendant, you know, real quick backstory: I moved to Philly in 2000, went to school, University of the Arts, was a studio rat. And what I mean by that is, I just sat there. I just sat and watched James Poiser, Amir, Rich Nichols, Sean G. Just walk in and out of the studio with Erica Badu, Jill Scott, Black Thought, Dice Raw, Common, Rozelle. and so Razelle, Hub, Malik B. Peace, Malik for sure. Right. It's just and so when my turn was called, because it was like Rich needed some bass on Scott something. Scott Storch. I wasn't around. I say I was post okay, Scott. Scott okay. was already with 50 and Tim ish. Right. You know okay. What I'm so this is a little later. This is a little later. Like when did lean back come out? I know we skipping, but when was that? Jeez. Maybe 7 08, I'm guessing. Okay. Got So he was already like leaning toward that. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, my turn was called and the roots put me on period. That's the short, very short end of it. And, oh, and, 2004.
0: And, Two thousand four was yeah. So camp. I
1: was I was a studio rat in oh two oh three. So he was already you know doing Crimea River with Timberland and right, right, you right. know a bunch of Fifty Cent records under Dre. Sure. And when he branched still out into DRE. His home, still did, he was he was Scott was gone. So you know so I so there was a new regime. Myself, Omar Edwards, yep. a, a bunch of the Philly guys that was kind of coming up through this open mic kind of scene called the Five Spot Black Lily. And uh, my first big gig. Was Jay Z's farewell concert 2003 A Fade to Black? Right. I'm saying all that to say, fast forward to when we did JM, mm-hmm. it just all came full circle and kind of came together. We did Renegade, whatever, whatever, right? When we got the call to do, when Wait, I got so the were call. So, you, were you part of that band that we yeah, did? Yeah, we were called the Illidale Phonics. So,
0: you did that show.
1: I did that. That was my kay. first big. Gig. And you were just had, playing bass and was Omar? And Omar was was the the music director? No. Who was? Questlove was the music director.
0: For that, Questlove was. Okay, okay. Yeah, and he played drums. So that makes even more sense. So then I probably went to Quest and I said, hey, we need a band. They just did this performance with us and obviously we couldn't bring the roots out. And he was like, I got an idea for you, connected me with you. And I was like, that's the guy from the Glow in the Dark tour.
1: Exactly. So I had already had
0: that filed away and that's how we reconnected. Okay, got it. Yes, sir.
1: And I got Glow in the Dark. I'm just connecting it all through Fade to Black. I met this kid in a pink polo. He's like, "Yo, come work with me. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the greatest of all time." <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, listen, I, that that was a yeah. definitely a fortuitous meeting, and you really you really crushed it with with that. So let's get into that because we had we had done a live performance with the Roots prior to that. We did yeah. we did lose yourself at the Grammys, oh, uh, yeah, with with the Roots band, and it was awesome and like i said there's an art to it right so yeah it's not just about playing with the right drummer playing with the right you know guitar player bass player etc you have to really really understand hip-hop
1: there's a synergy in the hip-hop and the live aspect because at the end of the day we are trying to recreate the feeling that the mc got when he heard that beat Right, You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to replace it. If anything, I'm enhancing it for the live experience, but mm-hmm. I'm also n- never trying to take away from the feeling that, you know, whoever I'm working with, in this case, Marshall Mathers got when he heard that beat, what inspired him. And so I want to always have the integrity to remain true to the track now when it calls for it and it's like hey we're gonna add eight bars here for our outro or we need a transition you know one of the things i've i've built my career on is having these seamless shows i really hate dead space and i'm really excited that when we met you all did too yeah (laughs) yeah You know i look at my shows as, as a movie i'm scoring it from top to bottom you mm-hmm. know what i mean we're telling a story sometimes chronologically sometimes lyrically sometimes a lot of times musically right you know what i'm saying and so even paul you know i'll sit down with you and and when in comes in i'll say hey you know i move this around because this key or this tempo goes better with this and it's a more seamless transition. Yeah. Or let, hey, let's put this here because the intro to this is going to give him a breather. Yep. Well, that's another
0: of- that's another part to it, right? So there's there's the Sonics. And oh, the yeah. way that you recreate it, but then there's a whole nother art to it that you are masterful at, if you don't mind me saying, Thank and you. that is creating the sort of transitions, right? Yeah. The sequence of the songs and the set list, right?
1: set list is everything set list, set list is, is so
0: everything. important so it's everything so the first thing when you're creating the sound right and you want to get it to sound like the record but what i say and how i describe it is it makes these records three-dimensional mm-hmm. right it takes it takes this sort of flat stereo sound that you're used to hearing and when you go to a concert it gives you a 3d image of yeah. that song if done right Oh yeah. And I think that you do you do it more than right. And I'm not going to tell you tell the audience or anybody what the tricks are. I know some of them now because I've learned them from you. But <laughs> but there's there's an art to that. And then on top of that, right, you've got to make sure that the songs interlace with one another and connect with one another. Yeah. And I think, you know, we haven't talked about this a lot, but knowing some of your background I think this is where your church background comes into play, right? To an extent. And tell me how how you think that is the case. Because when I hear some of it, it seems like not church in the sense that it sounds like that kind of music, but that kind of feeling, right? I was just about to say, so,
1: you know, at times, church musician or church, you know, the analogy of it can seem like, a little bit stale, but in what you're talking about, for sure, it's the spirit. It's yes. The soul. It's the, it's the yes. Soul. it's it's the soul. Absolutely. It's to stay in the spirit or to stay on a high and how we do that and how I've learned to do that is by seamlessly going from song to song. So that that feeling that you got as a listener, as an audience member. Yep. When we transition to your next favorite song, it goes right into it. And then you just yep. keeps elevating. You know what I mean? And, yes. And, the know, energy,
0: the building of the energy it's the elevation and the spirit and all of it. Yeah. And
1: so when we have a, a person like Marshall Mathers, who, number one, has the most incredible verses on even some B-side records. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's easy for me. To be like, yo, when we go straight to this verse, I just want you to start rapping right away. Because normally as well, I'm telling a story tempo wise, sonically, whatever. But it's like the spirit of where he's coming from, whether it be him, you know, doing the voice changes or the or if we're in a song like Stan and it's a more serious thing and then it's like we're, we're gonna also surround that with those same type of moments. And so that's where the church thing could come in because when you're in the moment in, in a church atmosphere, you don't just go off and just start playing a, a shout in church if you're worshiping. It's it's a chord thing, it's a sonic palette, it's a feeling that you get. And definitely church has helped me and a lot of other people just remain in that moment. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So like for me, when I'm looking at our set list, what keeps me in the moment until we wanna hit them with a big break and it's a purposeful break or it's a purposeful downtime or it's a purposeful ending to a song yeah, so that you know we just came from this one movement that gave you this spirit for the last 13 right. minutes
0: yeah and when you're putting the set together what I've noticed is you're almost creating these like these blocks right and these, absolutely these segments absolutely. of songs that work together that you can almost interchange in different set lists right so there may be a three two three or four song set that's connected together that if you decide you know what maybe we should move this down here the whole piece can move and then you can put you can put something else in its place so but not only do you do the transitions but you also build intros and outros right for the various tours you've built different intros musically which sort of build into like an energy and a crescendo that transitions into the first track
1: right absolutely so how how do you how do you go about that You know, Marshall has been instrumental in some of that as well because of how his records start, Paul. If you think about him having some skit things, you know what I'm saying? You think about him having these very... I
0: I know about skits.
1: (laughs) You think about him having these very famous chords at the top of a song or like, you know, one of the Marshall things is like, we start with no drums and we build the feeling. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So then what I do is... I look at that as he scored those four bars. Now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna build an extension of 16 on top of that. So how do I get into his four that takes us to the feeling? Right. And song selection for the first song and song selection for the last song is a big part of that as well. Sure. Because we already know if we're doing a festival or if we're doing something super crazy, Rock and Rio, or we're doing you know overseas, it's like people are going to scream. So what I've learned from Marshall and from the Eminem gig, I should say, sometimes you don't waste a super duper hit at the top because they are just so excited to see him. Mm -hmm. So I do on the set list. Yeah, they're screaming
0: over it, right? They're screaming over it. It's almost like it's a waste if you give away one of the big hits out of the game. I've
1: learned that from the the Eminem gig, straight up and down. I don't mind saying that. It's like... And I've taken that to everywhere. I've taken that to the countryside. I've yeah. taken that to the pop side. I'm like, yo, they are just going to be so happy to see this person save the energy. Let's let's save the record and and I actually, Paul, just go for energy. Mm-hmm. So what are those energy records? Yeah, save the energy from
0: the hit. I'm saying exactly for yeah, when yeah, yeah, you yeah. for when you need it later down in, in the set. Because you're gonna yeah. need it. You're gonna we need already, it. And we already knew that. We we had learned that and been doing that for a while. We 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 had yeah. known to build towards it for sure.
1: And so, like, one of my favorite intros that I built was us doing Monster Tour Mm -hmm. with Rhea M, and I did this crazy mashup of worlds. And what that did for the listener was to, I'm about to take you on this real crazy, trippy, you never thought this Barbadian woman and this Detroit dude would come together and really have... A set together that makes sense. Yeah, and I I think we killed that tour so hard.
0: Oh yeah, we we sure. Based
1: off of based off of having our music integrated on the pop side, and then Mm -hmm. the pop side integrated on our beats on the Eminem beats.
0: Yeah, well, that's Um, that's some of the magic I think that that works for those two. But before we get into that, I I want to talk to you also not just about the gigs, right, and the concerts. But also the sort of the the important TV performances. Oh because, man! Yeah. Because there's there's a whole other there's a whole nother art to that. <laughs> so now you you can dust your shoulder off a little bit. Emmy nominated Adam Blackstone, right? music director for the Super Bowl performance that we just That's did this right. past February right. with with Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Mary J. Blige and 50 Cent and Kendrick Lamar and Eminem. Leading up to that, which is, you know, one of the biggest moments of, you know, all of us, for all of us, as far as live TV goes, we've done some other things, right? We've done multiple award shows. We did SNLs. plenty of SNLs. We did the, the Oscars, right? We lose Oscar's yourself at epic. the Oscars oh, surprise yeah. performance. So, When you're preparing for one of those performances on television, it's different, right? Very. Because you're you're thinking about different things. You're not just thinking about the people in the room, right? But you're thinking about what's the experience going to be like for people at home and how is this going to sound differently on somebody's TV speakers as opposed to, you know, these giant monitors at a stadium, right? So it's a whole different vibe
1: whole different vibe yeah and i and and for me uh i pride myself on the mix specifically a live band mix right you know what i'm saying paul you know i will i will shut the whole thing down and go listen to our mix to make sure not just that the band is right but to make sure Eminem's vocal is sitting right as well and we've won <laughs> you know what i mean like i think yes. that uh, and, and, it, and it's it happens- most
0: times there's been times where we haven't right and it's it's out of our control and that's, out of our those, control. that's those times where there's a, I'm not going to say any names or blow anybody up, but there's, there's certain situations where they have their own engineers that are union, nobody else can touch the board, and you are... They're not hip-hop heads. You are, well, not only that, but you're, you're stuck with what they do. And yeah. a lot of them aren't going to listen to you, right? You could yeah. be in the room telling them, turn this up, turn this up, turn this up, turn this down, and they just are like, I'm doing my job, this sounds fine to me right yep so totally objective yeah and that's that's happened to us in the past but for the most part it's been it's been it's been great and we we have a great working relationship with those types of of engineers so so when a lot
1: of that comes from too is like you know specifically and i'm very thankful for this but me building my credibility in their minds and in their wheelhouse as well because they're like now we trust adam when he says turn up the drum track or turn up the live kick or something like that, because I'm always delivering excellence. And when we prepare, we prepare like no other. Me and you talk about that offline kind of all the time. You know what I'm saying? It's like practice does not make perfect, but practice makes it easy for us. The amount of times that we do it when we hit that stage, is just like another run through for us. And nobody prepares like me. Nobody prepares like Em. We yeah. really, really care about what we do. We want to make the experience for the viewer, not just in the audience, but at home, like you said, a big deal. And so for me, it starts with that mix. It starts with us getting the band tight specifically for television. And then me conveying to you guys, here's how hard we're going to smack it. I changed this bar. I changed that bar just for him to have a drop and to have something impactful. Because a lot of times on the television side of it, there's viewers that are going to not start out as Eminem fans. And then at the end of that five minute, 10 minute, whatever thing that we doing, they're like, Oh, this dude is really the whole package is just the best. Yeah, you know? you're
0: saying like somebody might not have been necessarily an Eminem fan. It, it just based on his music, but they see the performance yeah. and they're like, wow. Okay. I get this. Or this is this was really good. Yeah.
1: Or, or this yeah. is really good. Let, let me figure out why he just was head over heels above everybody. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah, it, 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 we, we, I, we I pride myself on making that experience specifically for the viewer. I, I, I said this before I got in trouble one time, but it's like, yo, I'm not really concerned on television with those with those people in that stadium. Like, I really am thinking about the eight million viewers. Yeah. You know what I'm
0: saying? Well, the bigger I'm, the show, the more you have to be concerned about that. Right. Cause, yeah, cause that, yeah. That audience just sort of dwarfs however many people are in that arena or stadium or when it comes to an award show, it's literally a theater, right? So there's maybe That's a couple it. thousand people in there as opposed yeah. to the hundreds of thousands of people that are, or millions of people that are watching it at home. So.
1: It's de- yeah. And, and like the people in the theater are actually peers and music fans as well. So sometimes that, that is a bad judgment too, as far as like, did it, did it come off? Yeah. You know or or they saying?
0: get what you're doing anyway. So you you don't really need to explain it to them. They understand yeah. what, what you're doing. So yeah, yeah those first, those first, Ten rows or whatever of (laughs) of the award shows, all people. The award rows. They do it. They do it too. When when it comes to, you know, this this is the the sort of ultimate, right? Because award shows are great. The Grammys we've done multiple times. We've done SNL as you mentioned multiple times. We did the Oscars, late night TVs, stuff in Europe, right? But but when it really boils down to it, the the sort of pinnacle of live television. And live performance, when it comes to music, is the Super Bowl, right? It's
1: nothing bigger, yeah, man. So,
0: so make no mistake about it, when it comes to rehearsal, we rehearsed the shit out of that <laughs> Super Bowl. Like, I, I don't think we've ever rehearsed anything that much. And for good reason, there was, you know, literally hundreds of people just on the floor performing literally. with us, right? With with the yeah. dancers and the extras, etc., cetera. And then there's all the moving parts with the set, with the lights, with you guys, with the various performers. And it was really, really a lot to, to, to come together and, and pull off. So I think, you know, for a second, I want to talk about that challenge. And yeah. when, when you first got the call about doing this, What ran through your mind and who were were you talking to and what what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, when I first got the call, so we had just come off of Mm J-Lo, Shakira, right? I was blessed to be the MD of that. And then the next year, Jesse Collins took over and it was the weekend. Mm -hmm. I talked to Jay, Z, Mm -hmm. probably March. right. So, Super Bowl's February. I said, I got a genius idea. And
0: this was after (laughs) the Tampa Super Bowl with the weekend. Yes. Okay. I
1: said, I got a genius. I I have a genius idea. Mm -hmm. We're in L.A. next year. Dr. Dre, he said, yo, you late. We we working on it. Yeah, they had started talking about
0: that, about... I I, about a year prior, I think. Yeah, they knew that this the Super Bowl was coming to L. A. And there was conversations about like this has to be Dre's Super Bowl, and I think that was like a couple years prior.
1: But yeah, and so he had not confirmed until September, though
0: the year before. The, no, the, no. September no, before so, the September so, yeah, before. September yeah, before yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah uh-huh. that's right
1: the following September that I'm talking about mm-hmm. I'm talking to Jay in March I got the official call in October and we went right to work but one of the challenges that people really don't understand I, I don't think they do is those five artists that we had up there six they could really do this 12 minutes 13 minutes on their own oh, straight yeah, up
0: yeah 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 easily drake
1: could, could do this by himself sure Snoop could have did this by himself. Marshall, absolutely. 50, Mary Kendrick, J, yeah, Kendrick. Uh, every, yes,
0: absolutely. You know,
1: Anderson, with all the success he's had with so Sonic right now, it's yep. like they could have done this 12 minutes and 30 seconds alone.
0: And, and Dre, might end up doing it by themselves one day. But <laughs> yeah, But I, wait, wait one second. So, so Dre calls you, right? Yeah. And uh-huh. you had worked with Dre prior for right. sure yep so, I met
1: Dr. Dre through Eminem right
0: and <laughs> and you put together
1: Dre's set for Coachella and we and I put together Dre set for Coachella 2012 right. so full circle 10 years later right you know we had done some things in between there and worked in the studio even on some records but mm-hmm. like full circle 10 years later here we are 2022 Super Bowl right yep and he then told me once he called me and I said, I'm in before I had heard everything, because <laughs> that's the relationship that we all have. You know, Paul calls, Dre calls. It's like, I got you. I'm in. He said, but I want to do it with the family. And I was like, what? Who's the family? Yep. And he said, Snoop, Mary, Kendrick, M. Yep. At that time, it was actually I didn't know about fifty. I'm gonna be honest with you. Well you know that that
0: came that came to be a little bit a little bit later on. Yeah. So, so
1: in my head, I'm like, damn. I know I have th- twelve minutes and thirty. If I can push Rock Nation and NFL to give me another minute, thirteen thirty max, right? right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I'm a fan. Let me. I, I I've I've neglected to say I am a fan of hip hop. I am a, a student of music in general, but I'm a fan of hip hop especially yes. you know 90s, early 2000s it's like you know I like that's that's my thing. So when when you talk about Snoop when you talk about Dre, it's like me hearing G thing sneaking to listen to G thing and doggy style in my parents' house. I was like, had to listen in little dollar store earphones because I wasn't supposed to even be listening to that. Sure. I had no idea where Inglewood was I growing <laughs> up in New Jersey. I had no idea where well, there was Inglewood, New
0: Jersey, but yeah, it's not was, the same Englewood.
1: Like, They're not in Inglewood, New Jersey. Oh, like, no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so You know, full circle moment for me, man. I just feel so blessed. Even thinking of and talking about it right now, I'm getting a little emotional. Like I never thought when I bought Chronic that I would be in this situation 25. No,
0: it's a dream. It was the same thing for for us, by the way. Like, you know, Marshall talks about it when he first went to meet Dre. It was like, Am I really here? Like I had he had to pinch himself, right? I mean, we all looked up to to Dre like, you know, it, it it doesn't get any greater. In terms, yes. of, in terms of the, the hip-hop producer, and we, we've we all been blessed to work with him. So you had worked with most of that cast of characters For on, sure. on the Coachella show, including a, a hologram of Tupac even, right? And, yeah. and 50 was on that show as well?
1: Yep, 50 was so, on that so show. So you'd
0: work with Marshall, you'd work with Kendrick, you'd work with Snoop, you'd work with Dre. I'm sure yep. you'd work with Mary at some point.
1: I work with Mary, yeah, because I'm also R&B to the core at times. And so, um, you know, even her association with Puff and stuff like that, it's like, you know, East Coast girl. It's like, you know, I was able to work with her in the right. past as well. And, and one of my tasks right away was putting this band together. And I'm not trying to skip a step, Paul, but like I had to incorporate in my head one person from each of those members, each of those artists band, because the other thing that i do super well and try to continue to do is make each artist feel comfortable when they walk in Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and that is a different type of skill that has nothing to do with a chord or a bass or anything it's like the trust factor from md to artists and management as well has to be there for artists to even trust that yo walk in and stuff is just going to be right. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's nothing worse than an artist having to come in, listen to rehearsal and then change the whole set. You know what I'm saying? Like I've heard those stories, it hasn't happened to me, you know, often at all, or if at all, but like I couldn't imagine like all the work that you put in as a MD and then it's like you're not really taking the artist into consideration at times and and what I do best is is before the artist. So when those five people heard that it was me as the MD, everybody was just super cool. I, I'm I'm really thankful about that because it made the process easier. They know, M knows that Adam got my back musically. You know what I'm saying? Whatever he decides to 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 possibly do with this music. I'm I'm all with it. And then and then I have the ability to, because of our relationship, explain to him what the rest of the show is doing to lead into his moment. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. So when it comes to that, right, that's a different skill set as you mentioned. And that's almost like a sort of management skill set, right? Because yeah, you're, you're yeah. making you're making the artist feel comfortable. And that's part of what, you know, we have to do as managers. So that's that's a different type of thing. But the yeah, experience little... of doing this job over and over again makes you realize what you need to do in order to have success, right?
1: Absolutely, and and each experience is different too. I don't want to take for granted that I was with Dre and M in 2012 for Coachella, so I got it. I don't need to prepare. Like, right? No, you don't
0: want to. You don't want to assume anything with that.
1: No, you never assume, and also you're always striving to be better because the music is evolving. Technologies evolving, and then also the gigs are evolving. So yeah. it's like even as great as Coachella is, was it ain't the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, nope. let's take that approach. That this is one of the biggest stages, if not arguably the biggest stage. And how can we be better than what we were before? Right. And so that that's always a task that I I put on myself. <laughs>
0: So how do you whittle down this? Like you said, each artist in their own right has a catalog that would justify them being the headliner of the Super Bowl halftime performance by themselves, right? Yeah. So you've got this ensemble, almost like an Avengers hip hop type of ensemble coming together. And you're tasked, as you mentioned, with putting together a medley of songs that are 13 and a half minutes long, including an intro and an outro, right? And you've got some of the biggest hits from these guys in modern history, right? Yeah. Each one of them in their own right has some of the hugest songs ever, right? In the Club, Lose Yourself, G-Thing, like the craziest, biggest records ever. So how do you decide what works? Because you know, even when it comes to Kendrick, there's a bunch of songs you can pick and you've got to pick one, right? <laughs> so some of it's easy. And, and and I'll be honest, because the Eminem choice was kind of easy, right? It's that kind of environment. It's a stadium record.
1: It's got yeah. the rock and roll energy. It's got well, I the feeling. S- but hold on, before you say that, Yeah, I, I second-guessed myself in the beginning on that choice. Let me tell you why, because... Once I once the narrative was going to be Dr. Dre is the curator of of everybody, and this is why we're all here is because of Dre. Yeah, I know what you're gonna say. I, that ain't a Dre record. He
0: didn't produce it, right?
1: So, so, but, so, but, but he's, but, but he's but the spawn
0: I, of Dre. So he did sure. produce it in a sense, not directly, but he produced Eminem but
1: for the world. What I'm saying, though, I in my head, I then said. How can I immediately directly correlate this to Dre? And what did I do? Tempo matched a couple of things. And I said, nowadays, everybody wants to talk, but they got something to say. The but transition. Not co- the transition. Right. So it's going like, back to what we
0: said before. Right. Going
1: back to what it's, it's, all, it's all stems from the feeling of the transition. Right. I, I want people to know that Dre spawned Eminem for sure. Yeah. Right how can I make it so obvious and in your face, but still give you the record? That's the stadium rock record. And that's, and that's what I did. Yeah. And 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 forgot about Dre
0: was also, yeah, yeah, we discussed that as well because that is, you know, sort of a seminal record and it's Eminem talking about Dr. Dre, like what else is more appropriate for the Dre set than that? But then you've got lose yourself, right? But then you've got lose yourself. So, so you worked both of those together. And and what about the other choices? I mean, 50s was, you know, I think
1: kind of obvious. Ne- like pretty obvious. I Because Dre more- produced
0: it, right? And it was his biggest song. So, yeah. you know. I it- mean,
1: so so in my head, I'm like, I gotta start with the next episode chords. Like, in my head, I like as soon right. as Dre called me, I'm like.
0: And that's how he used to open the 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 concert on um, the up and smoke tour as well with that Actually, record because I, I it, it just had that 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 energy like it had
1: a built in like it it, yeah.
0: it just it feels like an introduction,
1: right? It does. It really does. But then I I wrestle, you know, I I listen, I I'm about to drop a nugget that nobody knows, but we were on Oh, exclusive for the paw pod. Here we go. We were on version 46. Yep. Before we Walked onto that field, and and those who know, I made a change the night before as well with that with that piano section. Tell and us. So and so, huh?
0: Can you tell us what it was?
1: Yeah. So there's a moment at the end of Lose Yourself where Dre always wanted to hop on the piano and kind of showcase some skills. So I had him playing Beethoven's Fur Elise. Okay. Going into Still Dre.
0: But that's not what it ended up being. And so And that was in rehearsal, right? Because I remember that that was in rehearsal. That was in every rehearsal. For weeks. Months. Okay, months. Well, I wasn't there for all of them, but I was there for the weeks in in, SoFi. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It was every rehearsal you were at, it was it was it was Beethoven. Yeah. About two days before, Drake calls me and was like, Yo man, I got this idea. Do you think you can make I Ain't Mad at Your Piano work? Right. before still Dre
0: because he wanted to have some Tupac in there
1: and he wanted a little bit of a nod to Pac it was a genius idea the problem now was not that I we couldn't play it in there but it had because of the rehearsal it had to be the same exact timing right so no other department was affected the exact same The timing. exact same timing right and that's where the challenge was for me. That I, you know, I took, I, w- I went to the studio and like played it over and over and over again. And Jesse Collins, the producer, said, "Are you really gonna do this? Like you're gonna right. change- are you gonna do this to me? <laughs> <Right>? Yeah, <laughs> like you're gonna change the music the night 20- before." 23 hours before. And I say, yeah, man, but it's, it's, trust me, it's, it's a better, it's a better idea. I think the show and, was
0: better for it, for sure. It, it, it had, it had meaning, right? The, the, the yeah. Beethoven thing was cool, but it didn't have meaning. This, this had meaning and heart. And, and I think people connect with that, you know, connect with Tupac emotionally it, it very well, right?
1: Facts. And 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 then I, I think too to to get a little deeper is like the juxtaposition of coming from M to Pac to back to Dre and Snoop is like it's a it's a whole moment where you know musically it shows Dre's impact of generations. You know right. what I'm saying? And then the other thing I struggle with, like if we're talking about set list, right? I play nothing from the chronic, which I just talked about how that how that album impacted me I know right?
0: right so let's 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 go back to that for a second because yeah. I think that's where some of the tougher choices lie in putting together this set list I mean there was the Kendrick choice but I think from what I understand like that's a record dre wanted him to do the, the we gonna be all right right he felt like yeah. that was a great record live and he was he was obviously correct but I I think that when it came to the Dre and Snoop songs there's certain records that I was like well how are they not gonna play like for instance, how are they not going to play G thing? Yeah, how's that not going to be on there? And tell me how you arrived at that conclusion, or was it just what Dre wanted to do?
1: No, it wasn't. It was timing. I we knew we wanted to start with next episode. Yep. The NFL and the Rams play California Love every time they score. And so it was, it, was like,
0: LA, and it was a Super Bowl in so L.A. and So How can you so, not do so that?
1: Had to do California Love, right? And then. At that moment, where does G thing fit into? Then, if you remember, just a few we went notes,
0: to just a do doo-doo-doo-doo, do 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 do. So no,
1: hold on. So if you if you got to, so here's a nugget, another exclusive. If you hear at the beginning of at there's a part in the middle where we go back to right right there in the middle of the next episode I'm playing the keys if y'all can't see like this yeah 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 <laughs> in the middle of that I played the G-Thing synth line you gotta go back it's a little nugget in there about about 90 seconds into the Super Bowl I said but over top of the uh... next episode chords and so tricky guy yeah it was in there man me and my programmer Derek Cobbs, he he was like yo i got an idea i said yo we got to do that and going back to set list is like you know right away we went to 50 after that and went to mary yeah how about mary
0: did how, how did that come about with the decision of songs because she's got she's got a whole library herself
1: yeah she has a whole library a whole catalog and and so i'm a mary fan like i said and i i know live Mm-hmm. what works with Mary, and what works on the record. So, you know, Dr. Dre curating, we knew that it had to be a little bit of Family Affair, sure. or at least. Because Dre at least. it, yeah. Dre yeah. produced it. That's one of her biggest records of all time, for mm-hmm. sure. She, I think she still ends her set with, like, Family Affair and Just Fine. But I also know, when I watch Mary, and and women, I was gonna say Black women, but there's really women all over the world, watch Mary sing No More Drama. Yeah. That goes so hard powerful. in an emotional and it's powerful yeah. space. And I and Mary really represented the females in such a great way amongst all these powerful men. She held her own so much. So in my head, I'm like, what is that female record? Yep. Without us necessarily doing a ballot or I'm going down or be without you or something like that, what gives me the energy I'm looking for, but also speaks to a whole sector of people that are looking yeah, for Yeah, like half power. of the
0: population.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like who, what speaks to half of our population about the strength of a woman. Yeah, And no more drama was that for me. Now me and her went back and forth a couple of times and then Jay hopped in and it was like, man, the hood wanna hear, I'm going down. <laughs> and I said, okay, let me try that and see what's up. But it, it definitely, tempo wise, brought brought the brought our show down a little bit based off of tempo only but that's still okay
0: smash. that's okay because that's that's the journey right and that's that's why you can't have peaks and valleys without ups and downs Facts, right so so sure. you've got you've got to start somewhere in order to get somewhere higher and sometimes yeah. bringing it back down lets you take it up even higher the next time
1: Right. Yeah, but that's why when we when Dre ultimately decided to stick with no more drama, I had to make peaks and valleys within that song structure as well. So there's a bunch of moments where the drums come out and you hear like the the cadence of the piano just playing by itself. There's moments where you just hear hits, and it it, it lets that beat breathe a little bit. So it's almost like she is singing a ballad, but it still has tempo. Right. And then knowing that I was going into Kendrick. I still had to do a continuous ramp up. So that Mary, that Mary was probably set wise was probably the hardest because I wanted to almost try to do two songs in the allotted time that she had.
0: So Family Affair into No More Drama, then we go into Kendrick. But Kendrick, Mad City. it wasn't just, I was just going to say, it wasn't just We Gonna Be Alright. It was the Mad City record, right? Yeah, yep, so, it was
1: the Mad City record. And that was a Fatima Robinson plug. Well, because, explain
0: explain who Fatima is for those that don't okay, know. Okay,
1: so for those who don't know, the Fatima Robinson is world-renowned choreographer, creative director, producer, and just all around creative yeah and brought Um,
0: on as as choreographer slash creative producer for this for this performance as well and so so she she's amazing and and she's she's a one word I don't you don't need Fatima's last name you say Fatima and people know what you're talking about (laughs) in the the business right she's a one namer so so Fatima how did she describe that to you that that was the best route to go
1: she was. I was. We're gonna be all right. She was Mad City. Okay. Dre was indifferent. He said I just need to hear him. I said I called Fatima after we left Dre's. I said screw it. I'm doing both. Give what me a, What did I, give Dave and a... Kendrick want to do? They asked us. Now I must say that Dave Free and Kendrick said, "What do y'all think based off of me and Fatima's experience at the Super Bowl and Dre as well?" I gotta be honest and say. Mm-hmm. Dre, dre looked to me and fatima and me having had done the last two super bowls like yo what works in that space not only in the room and i was that was a big thing for me to tell dre like yeah i know you wanted bumping in the room and these people to be on their feet but like it's 80 million people watching right you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so and so i was able to present kendrick and dre and dave with a combination of me and fatima's idea fatima was big on Mad City because of the location of where we were. Period. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Pyrus and Crips all got along, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that statement alone. She had to explain to me being an East Coast boy that that don't happen where we are. You know what I'm saying? Just in life. Let, let's take the music out of it. Let's take all of that. The location of where we are, though that the phrase of Mad City hook just means so much right you know what I'm saying and
0: and really connects with the set right and oh yeah and let's you know let's talk about that for a second because when it comes to the set it wasn't just the this this structure that that the guys were standing on and performing on and within these rooms but it's what they represented and mm-hmm. for for Dre and Snoop it represented like landmarks from their lives and their careers Right. So there's in L.A. in, L- in L.A. and Compton yeah. and, and Long Beach. Right. So yeah. so there was like the the L.A. County Courthouse. There was Tam's Burger. There was the nail The club. Nail, for the, the club for the, yeah. And there was the nail salon. So it, it, it was all representative in, in Snoop's house. Right. And, and it was all representative of various places that, you know, were important to these guys. But then it was on top of a map <laughs> Of a the map. city of, of Los Angeles. Of Los right? Angeles. They man. covered the entire football field with a giant map of the city of L.A., which, yep. which had millions of LED lights stitched into it, right? So that it would it would look like if you were pulling up and you were on an airplane, going yeah. up into the sky, looking down at the city. And that's Absolutely. what it was supposed to look like. And it did.
1: And it did. And Kendrick was standing in Compton.
0: So so that's why I get what Fatima was saying. It connected yeah. to that texture, environment, and the level of gravitas that that moment yeah. had.
1: Absolutely. It was a moment. It was a moment. And I felt like we were able to combine those two records, get the point across of Mad City, make that statement, but also party a little bit with, we're we going to be all right. And... Again, with the similar to Mary for me, Kendrick's live performance is a whole nother thing than what you just hit on on the mute on, on the radio or on, on your yeah, on your phone or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? Like him performing, we gonna be all right, and you listening to it, it's a whole different energy. So because I knew that I was like, yo, trust me, this record is gonna come off, and we didn't have a lot of time. So, like, what was a very impactful verse and song that You know, the masses. Kendrick was the new guy there, even though he's arguably could be considered one of the greatest of all times in his young career. Yeah.
0: You know, uh, by by this point, he's, you know, four albums deep or whatever it is. He's 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 a veteran. Right. He's not he's not the new guy anymore. But in that group, he is
1: in that group. He is. Yeah. And so. You know, he was very receptive to how, what he felt like. And he said, yo, I'm going to tap into it a whole nother way live. And he he definitely did that. And so the throw to Eminem for me, people don't know this either. Here's another, here's another nugget real quick, exclusive.
0: Exclusive on the Paul Pod.
1: He freestyled that transition. I made the transition. He kept telling me for a month and a half. No, I got you. I got you. I said, yo, I just want to know what you're going to say. Right. And
0: in rehearsal, it was gibberish.
1: It was mumbles. Yeah. Yeah, it was mumbles. We did not hear what he was going to say until the Super Bowl.
0: Do you think he had it all along or do you think he created it on the spot or something in between?
1: I think it's something in between, Paul. I definitely don't think he had it all along. I think in that moment he wanted to see where the energy was. Right. People want to see what Eminem is going to do. Yeah. People want to see and hear what Eminem is going to say, how he's going to say it, what he's going to bring, and so those couple of rehearsals prior to that Super Bowl, I think Kendrick was like, "Yo, whatever I say to toss to him, it gotta be, it gotta be right." That boy said, 35 summers, you think you forgot about Dre? Huh? I was like, oh my God. And yeah. then the boy came and said, nowadays everybody wants to talk. Yeah, and yeah. He, ser- and he, served said, he served it up. He served it up. He served it so good, yeah. man. I was like, that is just a genius creative right there, where he's like, I know what's about to happen. Y'all don't know what's about to happen, but watch how I'll give you this appetizer real quick.
0: Yeah. Well, I and listen, man, oh, man. Only, only somebody. With the talent level of, of a guy like Kendrick could do something yeah. like that for sure. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. how
1: they I, I never asked you this. Yeah. What was it like getting the call to do the Super Bowl from an M perspective, knowing that these other artists were also gonna be on it? Because people may not know this, but our guy has a tendency to be a little nervous.
0: Well, listen, I think anybody who's performing on that stage has a tendency to be a little nervous, right? Yeah. But But I think that, you know, I'll break it down for you a little bit. So I had known, like I said, that there was a possibility that Dre was going to be doing the Super Bowl for a couple of years. They were talking about it. And the summer before the Super Bowl, so that was summer of 21, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we'd spent some time in Los Angeles with Marshall. And he was at Dre's house. They were filming the documentary interviews for the DOC documentary, right? Okay. So if anybody hasn't seen that yet, it's an incredible documentary. But during those conversations, it's when it started to get serious. And this was like July. Okay. Right? So Dre came to Marshall, and I don't know if he had really talked to him about it prior to this or not. And he said, what do you think about me doing the Super Bowl? And Marshall was like... I mean I don't know. Do you think you should do it? Cuz if you want to do it, you should do it and he's like, "Well, if I'm doing it, you're doing it." And he's like, "Oh. Yeah, I don't know." Right? Yeah. So it basically That's, boiled it basically boiled like- down to like, you know, I, Marshall's never going to really say no to Dre. If Dre needs him, he's going to be there, right? Yep. And vice versa. So Dre decided it was the right thing for him. And he came to Marshall and said, hey, is, I'm doing this. You're, you're with me, right? And Marshall was like, well, of course I'm with you. I'm not going to say no to Dre. Did he want to do the Super Bowl? Uh-oh, exclusive. You're going to have to ask him. But, uh-huh. <laughs> but I will say there was apprehension, not because he didn't necessarily want to perform, but because in, in recent times, yes. people have been severely criticized for their mm-hmm. Super Bowl performances, right? For sure. So yep. if there was any apprehension, it was, it was based upon the treatment of others and yeah. and how he didn't want him and his friends to get treated,
1: right? Okay, I, understood. That's, I really understood. that's
0: where the appreh- apprehension came from, if there was any, was from that because he didn't want to put himself and his friends into a place where they could be subject to that level of scrutiny. Now, that being said, somebody like... Jimmy Iovine heard that, right? And said, you are out of your mind. This is you. This is Dre. This is 50. This is Kendrick. This is Mary. This is Snoop. What are you talking about? You guys are superheroes. People are going to lose their fucking minds. Nobody's going to say a bad word. And he was right. So, you know, you look at both now, sides what, of that. Now, what
1: I say about that, that was you about to say what I'm about to say. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you
0: look you can look at both sides of that, right? Cuz there is one side to it where it has happened to people who, you know, Hell are considered yes, to be I've superheroes, been, I've right? Been a part of but a I couple. think that it what what Jimmy was saying was it's not just one of you. It's all of you together. This is the Avengers. So even yeah. if even if Hulk has a bad fight, Iron Man's coming in and kicking some ass. Right, So it it was about that. It was about strength and numbers and the level of stardom and power and those
1: songs, Mm -hmm. those
0: songs, my God. So that's
1: what I was going to say, man. Like when when, somebody like Jimmy says, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But then it's the execution that nobody can talk about. You understand what I'm saying? Of course. But Jimmy expects
0: that level of execution because he's seen it and he's used to it. He knows what they're capable of. Yeah. so him knowing what they're capable of, knowing the kind of people that are involved, knowing what they've done leading up to it, he was confident
1: yeah That's that, the, well i'm I'm I was honored to get the call you know get the a call couple-
0: you you were you, listen, like I said, the unsung heroes, the glue, but you're about to be sung as a hero because the Emmys are coming up, right? So Adam Adam and the whole team are up for Emmys, and you yes, know, the, the interesting Adam's. part about that is, you know, we, there, there's something called an egot, right? And an egot is somebody who has won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar and a Tony, right? which yeah. are the big categories of awards in entertainment. Now, Marshall has won multiple Grammys. He's won an Oscar for Lose Yourself. So I was like, he's always just going to be an egg.
1: He's not going to be an EGOT,
0: <laughs> right? So, But now he gets an he. or excuse me, not, a, not an egg. He's going he's be, be to be a go. A oh, Grammy go. Okay, and an Oscar. Right. He's always going to be a go. So he's never going to be an, an, an EGOT. But then I, it didn't even dawn on me
1: that he's this performance
0: away. could be up for an Emmy. And yes. then the, 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 the nominations come in, and I was like, oh, wow. He might actually be an ego." He's right. Amigo.
1: And, and how do we get
0: to the T? Time will tell.
1: E- it's easy. We'll offline about that.
0: OK, we can we can powwow about that.
1: Very easy. Very easy. We're going to we're going to we're going to start to produce any of those stories that mean something to us on Broadway and make it happen. And it well, don't got to have to be. Hip-hop, it just got to be something super heartfelt that we just, you know, we believe in. So let's talk about it. We'll talk about that.
0: Okay, we definitely will. Because I'm
1: very, I'm very proud of John Legend. I'm very proud of Jennifer Hudson, which is the latest, you know, like those people on the Tony side specifically, right, Mm -hmm. Paul, is like... Mm -hmm find projects that they, you know, believe in startups that are headed to Broadway or headed to the theaters. And it's like, I want to back this. I want to produce this. And and Marshall being a producer as well, which I hope many people know that. But yeah, that boy, that boy is crazy on the production side. And that doesn't just mean beats, but I mean, it's a creative thing as well. That's what we're going to do to get that T. So let's get this E first, but then we're going to get that
0: T. So tell me about that real quick before we close out. The Emmys are coming up. Yes, uh, Have you been nominated for an Emmy before?
1: This is my third Emmy nomination. Okay. I am 0 for 2. Okay. I'm feeling real good about this one. I'm trying not to get myself too hyped up.
0: I'm feeling good about it, too. It's hard to... I don't even know who the other nominees are. And so I'm going to say... Tony Bennett
1: beat me on my first one, and he's nominated again against me. Uh-oh. So, you know, yeah, that's
0: a tough one to go. go love, up against. I love
1: I love Tony Bennett, Gaga, Tony and Gaga have their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kennedy Center Honors is another incredible, you know, live series special that happened, especially through COVID. So you think that's and your then, main competitor? Tony Bennett.
0: Yeah. In this and in this instance.
1: And listen, I didn't even tell you the last one is the special of SNL that happened through COVID, too. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's a (laughs) tough one too. That's a tough one too.
1: So I, I, everybody in their own right are all winners. What I will say, and I, this might not be the right thing to say, but damn it, I'm, I'm, I'm with Paul. So it's all good. But like, I, I, I don't know that everybody saw those other events. I know you can ours be was damn the sure beat. they
0: saw the super bowl <laughs> halftime performance,
1: and that's no shade sure. to anybody. Yep. That's no, that's no diss to anybody's show that's because I'm sure, sure they're all great. But if we're talking about eyes on our prize, we put our foot in their ass for those 13 minutes. It was and- a
0: level of, it was a level of greatness. And uh, honestly, it, it was virtually perfect. It really was. It, it Like I, I said, so good a long time it, ago, it was so well rehearsed that the, the execution was, was virtually flawless. And yeah, you know, we, we owe a lot of that to you, my friend. I well,
1: appreciate you, man. You know, I got your back. I got Marshall's back, the whole shady family. We know, we man. know. And and when we get Marshall back out on the road, one day, <laughs> look
0: for Adam Blackstone. In the meantime, you, you can check him out in the, the commercials for nationwide.
1: <laughs> nationwide is on your yeah, side yeah yeah so they're
0: the jill scott commercials right that's and right. there's that's like right. if, if you look closely if you blink you might miss them you'll see adam <laughs> s- gently gently stroking his bass guitar
1: right that's right that's right and
0: and that's shout out you can... to jill
1: scott as well man Yeah, they, they, that's they, more they, they philly tack...
0: more philly connection you
1: know, philly these connection. guys in
0: philly i know we've got we've got music in detroit But Philly, they have the music in them as well. That's the Motown Philly connection, my friend. And it continues here in 2022 with Adam Blackstone and Eminem on the Paul Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Next time, we have the man himself, Eminem, Adam Blackstone. Thank you. Thank you for having me, You've been the greatest, my friend.
1: Until next time.